future is now. More work with less people. Yes, that is true for everyone in this room. But if it makes you feel a little bit better, every industry, every organization, every profession is going through this same challenge. You, some of you said engagement and culture in hybrid. Yes. <laughs> Although hybrid has many positives and there's many things that we appreciate about it, there's also some human challenges that hybrid is causing all of us. Training and development, recruiting in a non-remote environment, engaging people to come into the office. We'll talk more about that. Burnout. How do you know you're burned out? Well, let me ask you this. If in the last week you snapped at someone, or somebody asked you to do something, you rolled your eyes and went, ah, or you find yourself being more passive aggressive than normal, you're on the road to burnout. Newsflash. So we want to actually acknowledge that and recognize what we can do about that. And I'll give you some tips on that. You also said working productively in hybrid. You said stress, as I said. What excites you about the future? Now, 50 of you passed that question over, which tells me I'm not excited about anything, Cheryl. Uh, that's cool. It's all good. However, for those of you that did, you said, although hybrid is a challenge, it's awesome. There's flexibility. We can have more freedom in our life. The potential of AI. How many of you have been playing around with chat GPT? Yes, it's amazing and scary. <laughs> I had a colleague who went in on chat GPT and she put in write a thousand word article in the voice of Cheryl Cran and it did. And she sent it to me and I read it and I went, OMG. This is scary stuff, but it's also exciting stuff because it means we're never going to be replaced by technology. But in this room, if we have the human capacity to elevate technology, to automate the mundane, then every one of us, every one of us in this room can elevate the humane. And that's what I'm all about is a people first future. So when we talk about stress, it's the human part of it. It's not just the work. On that cloud, you all said work is stressing me out, but it's not just the work. It's how our life is that's causing us stress. And when we're dealing with our lives and our work in a way that is pushing back, we're actually creating more stress. So I had to learn myself, re-elevate myself to use those self-resource tools that I'm sharing with you in order to get to a place where I could have more energy and do the very things that I'm asking you to do. But here's the thing, from a psychology standpoint, this is why many of you might, you may struggle and not realize because you don't have the context. And I'm a firm believer that context leads to clarity. When we have understandings of things, we can then change our behaviors around that. So let's look at the past. In the past, the workplace and even life was very traditional. A lot of baby boomers and traditionalists built the structures that have built the workplace that it is today. And they are necessary and they are valuable and they are important. So it's important we do not denigrate the past or that we don't judge the past systems or that we don't fight against legacy systems because it's important to acknowledge where they've come from and where they are now. The challenge with this, however, is if we are mostly traditionally minded or baby boomer minded, and by the way, this is not about ageism. Generations, you can be a baby boomer in a millennial's body. You can be a millennial in a, ba a baby boomer's body. It, it's, it's about mindset. It's about your values and how you perceive and view the world based on your upbringing, on your culture, on your experiences, and how you've been received in the world. It's deeply psychological. So traditionalists and baby boomers have come from a very structured, 
things are in their place. Uh, it's it's tr typically traditionalists and baby boomers who prefer in-person or in-office work. The reason for that is many traditionalists and baby boomers believe that if I can see you, then you must be working. But let's be real, room full of people. How many of you know that that's not true? Yes. So what we have now is a truth buster situation going on. We're truth busting with hybrid. So now we go to hybrid, and by the way, the reason that many traditionalists and baby boomers made the switch to hybrid is they had to out of necessity because otherwise business would not be able to continue. It was a bottom line dollars impact if we did not adapt to hybrid. But guess what? Many traditionalists and baby boomers want to put it all back in the bottle. Okay, that was then, this is now, let's all go back to the office. Not a realistic ask because socially people are going, I know that I can do this hybrid. Some people are saying, I know that I can do this remote. Now, let me say this. Not everybody is suited to remote work. Would you agree with that? Unless you are highly organized, autonomous, dependable, can manage your calendar very well, promises kept or followed through, then you're suited to remote. But if you struggle with all those things, if you're at home and all of a sudden the dog wants out and you're like, squirrel, that's a problem. We have to be acknowledging where our strengths are because as a coach, I'll say to some people, you need to be hybrid. You, need to, you can be remote two days a week, but you'd be better to be in the office three days a week because you're suited to that with your nature and style of how you work. And then as soon as they make that change, guess what? Things are easier. But when we try to put round peg, square hole, that's where the challenges are. And conversely to that, if you are somebody who works extremely well remotely, and then you're mandated to come back in the office, you will be looking for other employment opportunities. The statistics bear that out because we are in a worker's market. So then you look at the Gen Xers and you look at the millennials and the Gen Zs or Zs, and now generation COVID. Those are your kids that are under the age of 20 right now. They're not necessarily, they're actually called Xennials. There's all sorts of different names, but some people are referring to them as Generation COVID, which is this is the first generation, them and their Gen Z counterparts, where they've been schooled remotely for a good portion of the last few years. And so now they are raising their heads going, well, wait a minute, what do you mean you go to an office for work? That's just so archaic. Can't I take my laptop to the beach? Like, come on now. So this is the reality of where we're at. I'm not here to tell you what's right or wrong. There is no one way to do hybrid. Many organizations have a very variety, a very mixed approach to it. I have one client right now where they've got regions all across Canada where one region in Nova Scotia is their, their branch is fully remote. They're all the team members are remote and they do very well. They're number one in the company with their workers being remote. I have another branch where their head offices, where they are all in office, and they do very well with the majority of them in office. There's another branch where it's hybrid. They come in three days a week, two days a week. They're, they're remote two days, three days. There is no single way to do hybrid. So for the detailer analyticals in the room that say, I want the map, I want the steps, I want the models, we are living in a time of ambiguity and uncertainty, and there is no one way. It has to work for your circumstance, for your people. And the best thing we can do is ask them, survey them, poll them, what works for you in this group, in this law firm, in this environment, what works? And then from there, we develop our approaches and we develop our structures. We are in a time of crowdsourcing versus assuming. In the past, leaders would go, well, I think we should do this, and everybody did it. 
Now it's collaborative. What does everybody say they want and how do we include that in what we create? Doesn't mean they'll get what they want, but we're asking, we're constantly asking. And then the other thing that's happened from the past to the future is the focus on the individual versus the we. And it is very challenging for many of us, especially if you're a driver personality, driver, get her done. They've got things to do, places to go. Drivers love change. They're the ones gearing up the change. The challenge is to go from driving individual change, which you can control your own things and what you do, but we can't control other people. So this is also where stress comes into play because guess what? We often say to ourselves, well, if you could just be as fast as I am, we'd all be good. Or if only you were as smart as I was, we'd all be good. And these are subconscious thoughts that are going on beneath the surface. Many of us are not even aware that that's what's at play. All right? So we are going to individual to collective. So the art of the future for each of us in this room is the ability to have very strong individual capabilities. A master communicator, a, a, a psychologist of people, understanding people. The ability to have empathy and emotional intelligence. The ability to inspire and engage and lead are all things that are required right now. And be able to do that within diverse groups. And I'll give you some tools with this. And then lastly, from the past to the future, we have had slower change and we are now firmly living in a pace of accelerated change. We've had more change in the last three years than any of us would have experienced in the previous decade. So think about that. That's also why we're stressed, is the sheer pace of change, volume of information, and the, and the things being thrown at us. Has, you're not imagining it. It has accelerated. So what do we do about this? Well, guess what? Technology is going to solve some of this. As more and more organizations up-level to cloud solutions with security protocols, as more and more organizations automate some of those mundane tasks and processes that people don't want to be doing anyway, as that starts to happen, we hit that tipping point where we are going to feel that pressure release. We're going to feel like we are making impact. We are making change. Things are easing up. But I firmly believe with what I do for a living that it's going to happen when more and more people, the collective of us, adapt to the changes and take personal responsibility for how we are leading change, then that's when we see it happen across the system.